from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. So those people were spending hours, you know, finding people on the streets, shuttling them to shelters. And one thing that those volunteers told me was that this was emotionally exhausting work for them. The Continuum of Care, which you mentioned, is this kind of big umbrella organization in St. Louis of, you know, almost 100 organizations who um, all advise the city on, on issues related to homelessness they um, are starting to move towards becoming their own independent nonprofit. Yeah, I, I asked the mayor's policy director, um, Noel Pfeffer, about this. He said that um, no one from the continuum of care has approached them to discuss it, and he thinks that the city has more urgent priorities right now. I'm Sarah Fenske. St. Louis Public Radio's Shayla Farzan and APM Reports investigative reporter Tom Sheck delivered some bad news this morning. Five homeless people died this winter due to cold exposure in the city of St. Louis. That news comes despite intensive efforts by volunteers and service providers who circled the city as temperatures dipped dangerously low and did what they could to find people without housing and bring them to shelter. Lisa Winter is one of those volunteers. Here's how she described those efforts. They literally are just driving around alleyways, looking around dumpsters. There's nothing glamorous, glorious, pretty about it because you know that you're making a desperate attempt to not have anybody die outside. But volunteers like Lisa Winter question why this work fell to them, even as the federal government gave the city millions to combat homelessness. Why am I the one doing this? I don't have any special training to do this. I'm not, I don't even have like the right resources to do this. That again is Lisa Winter. Volunteers like her say their efforts were hamstrung by the city's failure to fund a 24-hour walk-in shelter, a shelter of last resort for anyone needing relief from the elements. Now, Shayla Farzan and Tom Sheck report, the coalition of service providers handling homeless care in the city want to break away from the city's umbrella. And Shayla Farzan joins us today to explain why and how. Shayla, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. So, Shayla, your story this morning contained quite a scoop that five people actually perished in last winter's cold. The mayor's office had previously pushed back on that idea. They said there were, you know, they didn't say that there were any deaths from cold exposure last year. How were you able to confirm that information? Right. So this story really hinged on public records from the city medical examiner. Most of the time when someone in St. Louis dies under suspicious circumstances, the medical examiner has some record of that death. So they might not always do an autopsy, but often they'll have some kind of documents describing how that person was found, when, where. Um, And sometimes these reports also mention whether that person was considered homeless. So I spent, you know, quite a bit of time working with the medical examiner to get these documents for all of the hypothermia deaths in the city since 2014 um, through Sunshine Law requests. And then myself and the other reporter on this project, Tom Sheck, went through, you know, dozens and dozens and 
dozens of pages of these reports. And we found that many of these hypothermia deaths had been people who were homeless. So since 2014, 11 homeless people at least have frozen to death in St. Louis that we know of. And almost half of them happened this winter. So in other words, another way of looking at it is that at least one person, one homeless person froze to death every month from December to March. So that's, I mean, I think we should point out that's the minimum that we know of Mm -hmm. because there are probably others that authorities missed, mostly because of the nature of these deaths. Um, You know, people are often found in vacant buildings or sometimes in dumpsters. So it can be hard to find their bodies, number one, but then, um, you know, let alone identify who they were and, and what happened to them. So five deaths is a lot of deaths. And I know a lot of these providers were pretty frustrated even before this last winter. Did last winter represent a breaking point for those who work with the city to, to care for homeless people? You know, it's, it's hard to say, honestly. I asked that question of pretty much every provider that I interviewed, um, if they could kind of put their finger on one breaking point and say, this was the moment, you know, was it was it last winter? Was it earlier, you know, last year when the city decided to take down those um, homeless encampments downtown, which was definitely a big source of tension? Um, and what they told me was that it was all of those things that, that really strained this relationship with the city over the course of years, that it wasn't just one thing. I think that overall, a, a big part of this has to do with eroded trust, that providers feel like their voices just haven't mattered or that they haven't been heard, that no matter what um, city officials are kind of going to do what they want to do when it comes to homeless services. And um, one one provider, I think this really stood out to me, he compared it to having a panel of expert lawyers at your disposal um, and deciding to go ahead and, and represent yourself in court. Um, I think that that analogy, you know, really speaks volumes to the, the level of frustration that providers have felt. Yeah, that here they have this this alleged resource, but it, it doesn't feel like a resource to them, that, that they'd rather go out on their own. Now, the city, at least under Mayor Lyda Krusen, they were very outspoken about their desire to move from simply warehousing people to get them to transition to housing. Is this a philosophical split? Do providers disagree with that goal on the city's part? No, I, I think that the city and providers are very much on the same page when it comes to the importance of transitional housing and and supportive housing in particular, because I think that that shelters, this is what providers have told me, that shelters can function as a safety net often for people, but they're not a good long-term solution for moving them into more permanent housing. It's really about providing that stability and that support to, to help a person get to that point. So where they're able to successfully move into more permanent housing. So they're all on the same page with this, but some of the details ended up becoming real sticking points. Um, One thing is, as you report, the city turned down two grant proposals that would have funded a shelter of last resort. Was that a major issue here, that they just didn't even have that? 
Yeah, I think that that was definitely a sticking point, as you mentioned. Um, so the, these shelters, they would have um, you know, been created using federal funding. Um, and they were, they were intended to be kind of temporary safe haven shelters. So you know, sometimes these are also called low barrier shelters because they have very few rules or requirements for people to stay there. Sometimes they're kind of thought of as um, you know, an emergency option for people. Um, so like you mentioned, in late December last year, the city turned down those proposals, decided not to fund the, the, that shelter. Um, and then a few weeks later, you'll remember this February, um, the weather got really cold mm-hmm. in St. Louis to the point where it was dangerous to be outside really for any extended period of time. I mean, temperatures got to the point where, you know, they could cause frostbite in a matter of minutes. And um, so we had volunteers and nonprofits who, you know, just quickly mobilized and came together, um, formed kind of this grassroots effort because they realized that a lot of people could die who were living outside on the streets. So they collected tens of thousands of dollars in private donations mostly. They used that money to open, you know, their own safe haven shelter without city funding, which is is it's pretty remarkable. And then they also used some of it to put people in hotel rooms. So overall, I mean, it was more than 250 people that they moved off of the streets into shelters during that period. Um, it was a, it was a remarkable effort. Um, but it was also an effort that relied really, really heavily on volunteers. So people like Lisa Winter, who you you kind of mentioned at the beginning of the program. So those people were spending hours, you know, finding people on the streets, shuttling them to shelters. And one thing that those volunteers told me was that this was emotionally exhausting work for them. I imagine. Yeah. I mean, they were, they knew people's lives were in their hands. And and while they were able to get so many people off the street, we now know they, they couldn't catch them all. Well, now they're talking about breaking off from the city. What would this look like? We know most of this funding comes from the feds. Could these providers end up just cutting the city out of the loop for that funding? Yeah, so I think the the funding details here are important. Um, So the city relies almost entirely on federal funds right now to cover the cost of homeless services. The St. Louis used to contribute some of their own money, some city money from the general fund towards this, but that hasn't happened in almost two decades at this point since the early 2000s. Um, And so the city's getting maybe about $11 million each year in, in federal money from HUD. Um, I guess with the exception of this past year, which was just off the charts in terms of kind of pandemic-related funding for homeless services. Um, but I mean, the the big thing to point out here is that the city controls that money, which means that um, they're the ones who are ultimately deciding who gets the money, how much they get, and that sets the priorities for homeless services in St. Louis for sure. Um, but it doesn't actually have to be that way. Um, you know, it's possible, like you mentioned, that we could see a change in St. Louis in terms of who controls the money. I think that's a big if. I don't know if we we know that's going to happen, but um, just kind of briefly kind of thinking about how that could happen. The Continuum of Care, which you mentioned, is this kind of big umbrella organization in St. Louis of, you know, almost 100 organizations who um, all advise the city on on issues related to homelessness they um, are starting to move towards becoming their own independent nonprofit. Mm. And that's not unusual. I mean, almost more than a quarter, actually, of um, continuum of cares in other cities nationwide have made this move. 
But it's meaningful and important because if they do become a nonprofit and, and kind of build up that organization and are able to show that they're successful in getting funding, then they could make a case to HUD, to the, the federal government, that they should be in control of that federal funding. But I think it's it's important to point out that we don't know if that's going to happen, and it could be years down the road before that, that even happens. So we have a different mayor now than we have when all these um, terrible things took place last winter. Tashara Jones was sworn in months after the cold snap ended. How does her administration feel about these guys coming together and possibly forming a, a rival organization here? Yeah, I, I asked the mayor's policy director, um, Noel Pfeffer, about this, if if the Jones administration would support that kind of move. And he said that um, no one from the continuum of care has approached them to discuss it. And he thinks that the city has more urgent priorities right now. So it's it's kind of an open question, honestly, how the city would respond if the continuum of care did try to take control of that federal money. Um, I think right now the Jones administration has said that they're much more focused on trying to fix this relationship um, between homeless service organizations in the city. You know, that they recognize that that there have been some toxic relationships, their term, not mine, um, <laughs> and that they, they need to spend some time mending them. Um, I think that also they're, they're committed to pushing more money towards this issue. So, um, you know, in April, Mayor Jones backed a plan that would shift a couple million dollars from the city's police department over to social services. Some of that money would go to um, homeless services. Um, and then the city also released a plan for um, allocating that big kind of first batch of federal funding from the American Rescue Plan. And um, in that proposal, they have set aside more than $13 million for homeless services in St. Louis. Um, and that would include a city-sanctioned encampment, Um, and a a safe haven shelter. So I think that they definitely have acknowledged, yes, there have been problematic relationships in the past, and we need to allocate more funding towards this issue. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out. And your report today is just such a... a, um it gets us right to this point that we're at right now. It's it's very essential for understanding where we're at. We want to encourage people to check this out at stlpr.org. And St. Louis Public Radio reporter Shayla Farzan, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And that story was co-written with Tom Sheck. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.